Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. How long before we find out that MGM was robbed of millions of dollars? Let alone uh, information about uh, peop- you know people's personal information. So MGM Resorts said it had suffered a cybersecurity issue, which the FBI has characterized as ongoing. The MGM Resorts has about forty-eight thousand rooms on the Las Vegas Strip, uh, Mandalay Bay, the Bellagio, M- MGM Grand, and uh, of course they have all systems were down (laughs) Uh, okay now that means the reservation and room booking systems and people getting in and out of their hotel rooms were completely locked out now fortunately as of yesterday uh, this happened on Sunday as of yesterday the gaming floors were back online we've got to have that (laughs) so no word on what's going to happen with it really strange i know that uh you know we've got the government involved which is perfect Uh, there's i mean that has to happen right i mean we we have to have government involved especially for the cyber security experts so we'll see i know that you know all their emails were down everything was out and so they're concerned about uh you know people's personal information uh yeah but i have a feeling that this is more about some kind of uh money that's uh, being transferred and so good luck to MGM and all their uh, all their uh, affiliated businesses because I feel like we're going to find out that uh, millions of dollars were stolen. But that's just me. I know we've had cybersecurity incidents in the past with MGM a couple of years ago, which just you know there was only like ten million a personal ten million people and their personal details got hacked out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, did I mention like three years ago the same thing happened? Yeah. So don't worry about it. And uh, everything's fine. The FBI's on it and they're taking care of it. Of course this will go through, you know, Department of Homeland Security and any other uh any other separate entities from the government that will look into cyber attacks including international cyber attacks so i'm going to be really interested to see how many millions of dollars gets reported that was taken and then you have to think about how much actually was taken on top of personal information so if you were staying at uh, any of the mgm resorts you know how frustrating it's been for you the last couple of days so good luck god bless welcome welcome to chewing the fat so we mentioned yesterday that uh, this week is national truck driver appreciation week and you know obviously every week is national truck driver appreciation week here on chewing the fat but uh, nothing says national trucker appreciation week like uh bucky's because bucky's hates 
truckers and uh i was just looking at this new story it just pisses me off makes me hate them even more um they have really uh i used to like them and i still i understand the the love of bucky's i really do but i can't take them anymore so of course this happens in the great state of ohio uh there is a new bucky's location that's been proposed in ohio for a 74,000 square foot Bucky's location at the northeast corner of Interstate 70 and Ohio 235 Interchange in Hoover Heights, Ohio, right there. You know exactly where it is. And uh, apparently, this particular location, the 35 acres of proposed location, yeah, there were going to be two different truck stops there, including a truck repair shop, multiple convenience stores, truck parking. At the time, the landowner, landowner said he feels that there is a need for support services for over-the-road truckers who have maximized their legal driving time and must rest. Yeah, he absolutely feels that way, except, uh, you know, not right now because Bucky's has offered him a bunch of money. So there's going to be, <laughs> the, the truck stop has been scrapped. Yeah, we're going to build that new Bucky's location. Who hates truckers? They don't even want truckers there. They're going to have all this huge parking space, 6,700 square foot store, 120 gas pumps, 700 parking spaces, and no room for truckers. So it really ticks me off that uh, this is happening. But it is, and it is happening in Ohio. So I'm not telling you to boycott anything or anyone. I'm just saying it's interesting to me how strong and the love of Bucky's is, and yet they hate truckers. And that makes me dislike them. Speaking of places that you used to want to go, but you don't want to go anymore, San Francisco. Uh, they apparently have hired a new tourism chief who says, uh, hey, uh, we're going to change the ongoing narrative. Are you? Yeah. You know, San Francisco is the city that struggles to combat the stubborn issues of homelessness, drug use, and crime. Yeah. You know, that's the narrative. <laughs> that's because the ongoing narrative, I don't know, is true, but we're going to change that. So they have uh, the San Francisco Travel Association, and I am a huge fan of the San Francisco Travel Association. The city's tourism and marketing organization announced that a guy by the name of Scott Beck will take over as president and CEO later this fall. Apparently, he's had similar roles in uh, Destination Toronto. He's had a, a stint as a Visit Salt Lake. <laughs> okay, as part of the Salt Lake City's Tourism Bureau for 14 years. He told uh, in an interview he did with the San Francisco Chronicle, his biggest challenge will be the ongoing narrative about san francisco as a monolithic experience when it's clearly not yet it kind of is uh mr beck it kind of is we see it all the time urban cities across the country are struggling with a lot of the same issues adding that he's committed to expressing a spectrum of experiences San Francisco has been in the throes of a homelessness and drug crisis that has come with rampant crime for years now. The city by the bay consistently struggles to make a dent in the humanitarian crisis unfolding every day on the streets. Homelessness has only gotten worse 
since before the pandemic. About 38,000 people are homeless in the Bay Area on any given night. Wow, that's up 35% since 2019. More than 7,000 people are homeless in San Francisco, in the city. Wow. (laughs) Crime is rampant. Yeah, no kidding. So uh, I don't know how you're going to do that. Murder is up 15%. (laughs) Robberies are up 17%. Uh, car thefts are up 12%. So we've had 38 murders so far this year. We've had 1,855 robberies so far. We've had 4,617 thefts or and or car thefts in that. And we have uh, overdose deaths uh, gripping the city. So uh, in 2022, last year, they had 620 drug overdose deaths. Now that's down, though, from 640 in 2021. So that's good. Uh, right. I mean, it's going down just a little bit and tourism has dropped significantly. Wait, what? People don't want to come to the city. No, no, they don't. Nearly half of Americans now view San Francisco as unsafe. Yeah. No kidding. I was watching a show. Gosh, darn it. What was the name of that stupid show? Oh, murder in the first. That was back in like 2014, I think, is when that show first started. And it was on for two or three seasons with Ty Diggs and Kathleen Robertson. And obviously the show is, you know, about murder in San Francisco. But the San Francisco looks beautiful. I mean, it looks tremendous. And I was thinking as I was watching uh, one of the shows from uh, Murder in the First, because I, I was... I hadn't seen the first season. Uh, I remember watching uh, the second and third season, but I hadn't—I forgot that I hadn't watched the first season. So I went back and watched it. I know, sad state of affairs. And anyway, I was thinking about how beautiful San Francisco looks in this show. And obviously, they're taking great shots, you know, of the of the wide shots of San Francisco. But I was just thinking how beautiful it is, and that's about the time that I was in the city. So it wasn't so bad. I went out there. Uh, we went out there for the Super Bowl. And uh, it was just on its way to being bad. So I would say that Mr. Beck, who uh, is going to be now in charge of the San Francisco Travel Association, which is the city's tourism and marketing organization, Mr. Scott Beck, uh, as he takes over as president uh, later this fall, he has his work cut out for him, according to him, because he wants to change the ongoing narrative. Again, good luck, God bless. (laughs) Speaking of good luck, God bless. I see where former Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot, you know her, you love her, has been appointed as a Richard L. and Ronay A. Menchel Senior Leadership Fellow for the fall term at Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. Good for her. That's a hell of a title. Uh, During her tenure as mayor, which ended May 15th, Lightfoot led a coordinated citywide response across government, business, and community organizations to safeguard public health and minimize economic impact from the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Among other steps, she created a racial equity rapid response team and the COVID-19 recovery task force. Yeah, because Chicago, man, you want to follow her footsteps of how she handled the city of Chicago. Now, she's the first black woman and first openly gay mayor. Uh, She also focused on generating inclusive economic growth across the city's neighborhoods. Her accomplishments, did she have accomplishments? Oh, yeah, according to this, she did. Included landmark 
ethics and good governance reforms, <laughs> worker protection legislation, and key investments in education, public safety, and financial stability. In August of 2021, Lightfoot secured a $15 minimum wage for most workers in Chicago, including domestic workers, years ahead of the state's planned phase-in of a living wage. Oh, that is so special. So, according to this, she's going to be teaching this graduate-level course. Now, she said she's going to use a mock press conference, a simulated community meeting, and guest speakers to teach in part about the dangers of politicizing a pandemic and how to interact with the media, drawing on lessons learned from running a city amid COVID-19. <laughs> if your kids are taking classes from Lori Lightfoot on how to the dangers of politicizing a pandemic, and how to interact with the media, uh, you need to tell your kids to think again because there's no way. Holy cow, that is just terrible. And I can't believe, well, I can't, but I, mean, I can't believe they were putting her in charge of this class for Harvard now. The course is called Health Policy and Leadership. What a nightmare. All right, let's go to the break room. Holy cow. Uh, I need something cold to drink desperately. <sighs> so the MTV Video Music Awards returns tonight. If you're listening live, today is the 12th of September, 2023. So uh, we have the MTV Video Music Awards. How is this happening with the strike and everything? Are we allowing this to happen without i mean with the writer strike and the okay all right uh this is the first time tonight that only women are nominated in the show's artist of the year category taylor swift beyonce doja cat Nicki minaj carol g and Shakira are contenders for the night's prize. So we've got that to look forward to. Uh, they announced uh, we've got uh, the final round of presenters, which is a Boogie Wit da Hoodie, uh, Anul AA, Ashante, <laughs> Billy Porter. I'm sure that's not how he pronounces it or she pronounces it, but that's how I'm pronouncing it. Anul AA, A N U E L. Two capital A's. Ashante, Billy Porter, Chloe Bailey, Dove Cameron, Fat Joe, Haley Bailey, uh, Nelly Furtado, Renee Rapp, Swati, Sweetie, I got it, uh, Shanessa, Thyla, Tiffany Haddish, Timberland, and Wycliffe Jean. Man, it's a star studded. <laughs> so, this year, it's hosted by Minaj. All right, so last year, she emceed alongside uh, Lil Wayne, and Jack Harlow. This year, Minaj is on her own. So we'll see. We're going to celebrate 50 years of hip-hop. Uh, we've got uh, a multi-generational finale performance. DMC, Dougie Fresh, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, LL Cool J, and Minaj. We'll join forces. Starts tonight. Uh, we'll air on MTV and simulcast on uh, BET. Uh, also on BET, Her... CMT, who knew there was a BAT her? Uh, CMT Comedy Central, uh, Logo, uh, MTV2, Nickelodeon, Paramount Network, Pop, TV Land, and VH1. 
And the show will also air in Spanish on Unimas. Wow. I mean, this thing is going to be broadcast on... Holy cow. Uh, it should get some numbers, I, I guess. Uh, Swift has increased her number of nominations to 11, including 7 for 7 for her anti-hero music video. And MTV announced four additional social categories. Oh, good. Uh, she's followed by Zha and 8. Now, Swift currently has 14 VMAs to her name, placing her behind Beyonce, who has 28, including two with Destiny's Child. Madonna has 20, and Gaga has 19. <laughs> uh, this year features a record number of first-time nominees uh, at 35. Wow. Including Kim Petras, who has uh, five noms, uh, Metro Boomin with four, and Rama with three, Aspa, Burna Boy, Davido, Aslan Bon Armado, 5050 Pink Panthers, Saucy Santana, Steven Chantez, and uh, Tusi are all nominated for the first time. So, congratulations to all of those. Shakira will receive the Video Vanguard Award and is also expected to perform. Uh, yes, of course. Hello. Uh, Diddy will receive a Global Icon Award and perform at the VMAs for the first time since 2005, and he will become the third recipient of the award following the Red Hot Chili Peppers and the Foo Fighters. That's the Global Icon Award. So, other performers that are scheduled to perform, Cardi B, Megan the Trainer, I'm Megan the Trainer, <laughs> Megan the Stallion, and they're going to be performing their new collaboration, Bongos, and then we're going to have Anita and Demi Lovato, Fall Out Boy, Pesla Pluma, Doja Cat, Carol G, Kelsey Ballerina, Manskin, Olivia Rodrigo, yeah, she's talking a new album, Straight Kids, Tomorrow X, Together, and my favorite, More. So, man, you do not want to miss the MTV video music awards tonight it's going to be on you know all those networks that i mentioned so man it should be fun let me know how it is so now we've got the battle i see where drew barrymore show i mean you know you know you know where you love her drew barrymore and her show she is saying that her daytime talk show is going to return on september 18th so I thought the writer strike was still happening. Is Drew Barrymore able to do her show with uh, no writers? And okay. And then I find out that the talk and the Jennifer Hudson show are also going to resume production. So are we having a battle now? We've been on strike too long. These shows are going to start working, and it's going to go up against uh, the writer strike and the actor strike. Okay, we'll see how it goes. I I I don't know. We'll see. I mean, look. Drew Barrymore show is not that good. Uh, the talk on the Jennifer Hudson show, I mean, they've got to resume and they've got to get, uh, they've got syndication rights going on, right, to, to be airing throughout the country on different networks. So we'll see. Uh, you know, again, that's the theme of today's show. Good luck, God bless. I see where my girl, Rachel McAdams, is making a Broadway debut in Amy Herzog's uh, Mary Jane. And so we'll see if that happens. Is Broadway still going on? I mean, I thought we had a strike going on. I, I, I guess we don't. Uh, McAdams, uh, you know her, you love her. I mean, you saw her, everyone loves her from The Notebook, and that was, 
you know, a long time ago. But Sherlock Holmes and Morning Glory, and uh, she is kind of a nightmare, but aren't all actresses. So good luck to Rachel McAdams uh, making her Broadway debut in uh, the uh, Amy Herzog's uh, Mary Jane. So apparently the production will begin previews on April 2nd, 2024. So they're announcing this, wow, a long time out. Uh, and so I guess there's some, uh, you know, some pre, <laughs> some pre Broadway production that needs to happen. Like, I don't know, see if Rachel can actually pull it off. So good luck. I hope she does. You know, last week we talked about the Joe Jonas, uh, Sophie Turner divorce and he got the kids and he is, uh, you know, he took the kids and it's over, right? Uh, you know, Sophie Turner from the Game of Thrones. Well, I guess he was performing with the the bros this weekend. And uh, he, this was in uh, Los Angeles. And he said, right, you know, as they were talking, he said, it's uh, been an emotional, uh, it's been a crazy week. And fans all erupted, of course, they're on his side. And he said, I just want to say, if you don't hear it from these lips, don't believe it. <laughs> thank you everyone for the love and support to me and my family love you guys so man there's must be sophie must be out there saying some bad things <laughs> he just wants everyone to know hey i'm not wearing my wedding ring and uh if you don't hear it from these lips don't believe it because he wouldn't lie about anything clearly So, you know, yesterday was 9-11 and we all were reliving where we were and what, uh, you know, what happened in our lives. And I was reading stories. There was a couple of stories that I had not heard. And this one in particular really resonated with me yesterday. And this man is a hero. And if this is a true story, and I had not heard this story before, if this is true, this man is an absolute hero. It should be honored as one. Uh, the man's name is Rick Rescorla. And there's a picture of him in this story of just a, you know, an ordinary looking man with a megaphone in his hand and he's speaking into his megaphone. And uh, the story goes that uh, Rick Rescorla, 22 years ago, Rick disobeyed orders and saved 2,700 lives. This obviously was written yesterday. They're talking about 9 11 and the anniversary of 9 11. Rick was the head of security for Morgan Stanley in the South Tower of the World Trade Center. He warned that the tower's basements were vulnerable to attack. His warnings fell on deaf ears. Then in 1993, the attack happened and people started listening to him. After that attack, Rick implemented regular evacuation drills using his megaphone to direct the thousands of employees out of their offices, down the stairwells, and out of the building to safety. Born in Cornwall, Rick would sing Welsh and Cornish songs from his megaphone as he directed the employees out of the building. He would routinely tell all the employees in an emergency, no matter what chaos is happening around you, no matter what anyone else tells you, leave your offices, go down the stairwells, and leave the building. Rick told his wife Susan that he suspected another attack on the World Trade Center would happen, this time by air. 
incredible. After 22 years ago today, on September 11th, 2001, that attack happened. Yeah. Uh, when the first plane hit the North Tower, the Port Authority announced over the South Tower speaker system, please do not leave the building. This area is secure. Rick ignored them. The dumb sons of bitches told me not to evacuate. He said to his best friend, Dan, they said, it's just building one. I told them I'm getting my people the F out of here. And so Rick picked up his megaphone as he had done so many times before, told his employees not to listen to the orders and directed them out of the building. His corny songs helped keep their nerves calm as they evacuated even after the second plane hit their tower. Once he had successfully evacuated his employees, Rick went back to look for survivors. He called his wife, Susan, first. Stop crying. I have to get these people out safely. If something should happen to me, I want you to know I've never been happier. You made my life. Rick rushed back into the South Tower. That was the last time anyone saw him alive. All but six of the more of the more than 2700 Morgan Stanley employees survived had they obeyed the port authority they would all be dead thankfully they listened to Rick instead rest in peace Rick Rescorla i mean that guy is a hero uh, an all out hero and I hope that he's been honored. I had not heard that story before. So, I mean, it's been 22 years and I, I don't recall ever hearing that story before. So if he's been honored, good. And I apologize for not knowing the story of Rick Rescorla because that is, uh, that's incredible. Okay, uh, just uh, absolute hero, absolute hero, Rick Rescorla. Uh, those of you in Pennsylvania, uh, how about you don't be helping trying to find the fugitive, okay? How about you just stick to doing what you do at your house and make dinner for your family and stop trying to find this fugitive, okay? Sure, uh, Danilo Calvacante is an escaped murderer. Sure, he's wanted for murder in another country. Uh, and, you know, he's been on the run for, I don't know, a couple of weeks now and police can't seem to find him but don't you not for one second think that you're helping if you're out there looking for him okay uh lieutenant colonel george bivens of the pennsylvania state police has denounced any form of vigilantism vigilant vigilantism 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 no it's vigilantism or involved there i got it right or involvement from amateur sleuths saying citizens participating in the search had no authority and could face consequences. They're not helping us in any way. And in fact, they could become a hindrance. I mean, I don't know how much of a hindrance they could become. You certainly haven't found him. Uh, some of our resources have to be diverted at times when they insert themselves into a scene. It's not helpful. I wish they wouldn't do it. I've asked that they not, but I can't stop them. Uh, I can't stop them from doing it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so the people that are out there looking for this guy are claiming, hey, we are not uh, vigilantes, okay? We're trying to help. 
Okay, so we're trying to find this guy. And the state police certainly haven't been able to find him. They have say that these they've contained him within an eight square mile parameter. Although I will say I thought yesterday we found out that he was outside of that parameter where he stole the van. And now I believe we found out that we, or at least we think, that he has a weapon, right? So what are we doing? There's a $25,000 reward for information that leads police to his arrest. That was announced at a news conference. So that means that people are going to be out helping (laughs) plus we're gonna have the youtubers and the podcasters man do i hate them i hate the damn youtubers and podcasters and all of those damn true crimers hate them (laughs) and those self-proclaimed independent journalists who have swarmed at the slightest flash of a siren throughout the investigation yeah i hate them hate them like poison (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so i told you yesterday when they showed the they were when they were towing the van away that he stole all the people were around taking pictures of the van and looked like filming the filming (laughs) that's awesome so now i mean we've got people there's one this story highlights a guy that's sitting in a wawa's parking lot with his drone and he's flying his drone uh obviously uh, above about a couple hundred feet above the ground and he's scanning all the cornfields and the trees around wawas i would say that's being helpful Uh, that's just me i would say that's being helpful so how about we catch the guy i don't care who helps catch him we get we need the guy back into uh law enforcement he needs to be back in prison please okay so let's find Danello Cavalcante and uh, I know that he escaped from the Chester County prison and let's go ahead and bring him in with the help of whoever wants to help okay please before more people get harmed that would be kind of nice wouldn't it I see where uh, my main man, Kim Jong-un, you know, the ruler of North Korea, he is uh, getting ready to have a big meeting with uh, Putin, with Putin, Putin. And uh, so he's on his way to meet with Vladimir Putin in uh, Vladivostok, which is beautiful this time of year. Man, you, you can't get me away. You can't get me away from Vladivostok. So apparently he left on his 20-hour train ride from Pyongyang uh, to meet with uh, Putin in Vladivostok. But uh, this is his first international trip since before the pandemic. And uh, he's going to meet with uh, Vladimir Putin. Apparently they're going to, they're considering shipping ammo to bolster Russia's war arsenal for the fight against Ukraine and sending more workers to help fill gaps in civilian labor. I didn't realize that was actually happening. And in exchange, Russia could offer a much-needed hard currency, food, and technological know-how. Pretty incredible uh, that uh, North Korea is working with Russia and uh, just because of this stupid war in Ukraine. Now, the thing that fascinates me the most about this story is his trade. 
All right, so his he travels uh, by rail, and he I guess it's just you know it's an old train, so like it tops off at thirty seven miles an hour. Hell, I'm pretty sure trains go by my neighborhood here in Fort Worth, Texas, faster than that. But you know, good for him. And I mean, Amtrak travels a lot faster than that. And those are those are not even the you know the high speed rails. Anyway, so he's got a train, his armored train, which goes 37 miles per hour. But he has 20 carriages, and uh, they've contained a medical station, Kim's personal Mercedes limo, and a karaoke room. (laughs) You can't have a train without a karaoke room. Hello? You can't globetrot the world by rail without a karaoke room and, you know, a medical station and a place to park your your limo. Hello. Plus, apparently, he has, uh, you know, live lobsters airlifted in, French wine, special donkey meat. Yum. Man, if you want to hang out with Kim, you know, you're, you're living great when he brings out the donkey meat. (laughs) Oh man. These guys, these guys are all agonizing. I see where uh, my man, Adam Pac-Man Jones was arrested. Uh, he's been on uh, McAfee's show all summer long. And uh, he was arrested at the Cincinnati Northern Kentucky International Airport after allegedly making terrorist threats while on the plane. Come on now. I, I, I do not believe this. He was arrested on misdemeanor counts of alcohol intoxication, disorderly conduct, and terroristic threatening. Okay. So apparently, according to this, he asked to move plane seats after the phone charger for the two seats he booked was not working. That makes sense. He said that they were police were called to the scene before takeoff around 6 a.m. at the airport to deal with an unruly passenger. He said that he didn't do anything wrong. He was called off the plane and didn't say anything wrong. He was just arrested. When asked about the intoxication charges uh, against him, he said, do I look intoxicated to you? Who the hell is drunk at 6.30 in the morning? Uh, yeah, I don't believe that. And his terroristic threats were because he called them bitches. <laughs> I mean, I believe that the airlines uh, got themselves butthurt because apparently he had asked to move seats and they told him, well, if you change seats, we have to pull back to the gate. Um, uh, no. Uh, why can't he just move seats? Uh, seems really strange to me that that's the issue. So anyway, uh, we'll get more details from that. We'll probably get it on the Pat McAfee show. But uh, he said, uh, Pac-Man said, I'm hurt. This is embarrassing. Um, we see, you know, he doesn't know why he was removed. And uh, we'll figure out what's going on here. I mean, mess with the airlines in today's world. You say one little thing and then all of a sudden you're the one making terroristic threats. Uh, no, I think not. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens, uh, from my man, Adam Pacman Jones. But I will say that I am 100% usually, usually, I am usually 100% on the side of passengers instead of the airline. So it doesn't surprise me that something like this would happen from an airline. And it is interesting to me that the story doesn't mention what airline it was. Huh. That is interesting. 
Man, as long as we're talking about football, how about that Monday night game, huh? Between the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium. It was 9-11. It was in New York. All eyes were on MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. The return of Aaron Rodgers. Number eight takes the field carrying a flag. The stadium was on fire. And then about uh, four plays in, uh, he gets injured and gets carted off the field. So have a nice day. <laughs> The worst case scenario for the New York Jets. Aaron Rodgers goes down. Now, they ended up winning the game in overtime, which was awesome, and it was fun to watch. The game ended up being a fun game to watch. But uh, we don't know whether Aaron is out for the season, whether he's out for half the season, whether he's out for a game. I mean, he was carted off. He limped off the field. Then they put him in the under the blue tent. Then they put him on a cart. And they wheeled him into the into the locker rooms. So then they showed him getting off the cart with a boot on to go get more X-rays at you know inside the stadium. So we'll see uh, we'll see what happens. But that's definitely the worst case scenario for the New York Jets. And I know they won. And I know Zach Wilson was doing okay, but he just did okay. He didn't do that well. And remember the last couple years, Zach Wilson has really not done that well. This is why they brought in Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, we'll, I digress. Okay, we'll stop talking football. I know. I could talk about it all day. I mean, there's a lot going on. Okay, so you got Michael Irvin who settled his $100 million Marriott lawsuit. Uh, remember, he got into trouble during the Super Bowl. and They took him off the air. The NFL Network took him off the air over this and we all saw the video and it looked like it was absolutely nothing so then he i don't know what they settled for there's no report on whether it was a money or if they just the case just went away because he ended up going to work for fox and then he's back on uh nfl networks game day he was back on the air sunday so i don't know if they just made a deal to hey we're going to drop all these charges keep this lawsuit done and then i can get back on the air or if it was worth some money so we have that going on then we have the head coach from michigan state the spartans in trouble mel tucker and he calls the sexual harassment allegations against him completely false so we got that going on in Michigan State and he's been uh, suspended and I think there's a hearing scheduled for the first part of next week or next month I mean so we've got two or three weeks to go with that Uh, incredible story behind the scenes at Michigan State because of that plenty of news in football that really isn't football but it's there hey i don't know if this means what this means uh to it might mean something to the football world as far as advertising actually uh jelly company jm smucker announced that it's buying hostess brands for 5.6 billion dollars so they set to close this deal the end of january it's roughly worth two billion dollars more than hostess market value Wow. Uh, Smucker is uh, throwing that kind of money at the twice bankrupt company. That's what I thought. Host has been in big trouble. So the snack business apparently is booming, according to uh, Circana Group. And Smucker is looking to get in on all the gains. Between 2019 and 2022, Hostess revenues skyrocketed 50%. Meanwhile, uh, Hershey's and Mandela's International, which owns Oreos and Ritz, 
grew their overall sales by 30 to 22 percent respectively and for smuckers i guess twinkies ho-hos and ding-dongs are very lucrative (laughs) Uh, yeah, you could say that again. So I guess we're also looking at healthy snacks too. Yeah, of course we have to look at healthy snacks and I see where Mars and Unilever are both acquiring companies with snacks and Kellogg's just, uh, put their chips and treats products into a new company, Kellanova. So we've got that to look forward to. Does that mean anything for the NFL? Uh, yeah, yes, advertising money. Look for Hostess, Twinkies, and Ho-Hos uh, during advertising during the uh, NFL games. Guaranteed. and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.